What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, if you dig the show, check it out on social media at the Pohada Podcast, as well as at Pohada Photography. Maybe even share it with a friend. This is a show where we talk about jujitsu with jujitsu people, very often black belts. Before we jump in, I have to shout out the newest podcast sponsor, Way of the Tiger Soap Company. You'll hear more about this in future episodes, but if you do jujitsu, you know damned well the second only to laundry, bathing is a big thing in your life. So why not luxuriate a bit and enjoy the process with a good smelling soap full of natural oils to leave your skin feeling good. I love that part of my day. All right, this time around, I sat down with Ozzy Judge, a gray-bearded MMA fighter who local Minnesota people will have seen put on a hell of a show at the Ignite Fights events here. He's a bit of a grizzled veteran for many combat sports, with yet another unique path into the game. So without further ado, my conversation with Ozzy Judge. All right, Ozzy, we're going to do this. I asked you to... to come on and record this because you're an old guy who fights cool is that a reasonably uh accurate uh portrayal of the situation sure why are you an old guy who fights what's what's the deal here um i guess it's uh um i guess to start kind of from the beginning sure let's do it well i'll go way back then mm-hmm <clears throat> Uh, I was about 13 years old when a buddy of mine brought over a pirated VHS tape of UFC one, the famous, famous UFC one. Yeah. Pretty much mentioned in every single episode of the, (laughs) and, uh, we watched it at my house and, and I was just, I, I was taken by it. Like it was just so interesting to me. And, uh, we like my family we we would watch a lot of boxing and stuff like that so when that came out it was just it was so neat that that uh yeah i ended up talking my dad into buying ufc2 for 9.95 and he was i mean it was a struggle i had to pay for half of it and <laughs> mow the lawn and you yeah, know for sure for that 9.95 and uh once he saw it then we got them all, all the way through the 90s, until it went off of pay-per-view. They banned it for a while. Mm-hmm. So he got into it, too. He was enjoying watching it, or yeah. did he start training and stuff, nope, too? he just no? enjoyed okay. watching it, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My dad was a rough blue-collar guy, drank a lot, and, it, you know... Saturday morning, he'd come out from the bedroom and he'd have a black eye or whatnot, and so that that was my dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He and he wasn't he was a great guy. Um, he didn't really, you know, kind of like me. Well, exactly like me. I don't fight because I'm mean or anything. It's just I really enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, also about the UFC, my brothers. Um, just a year younger than me. And so we would watch the UFC fights and then pause the video and like, 
see exactly what they did for the moves for jujitsu and stuff, and then we would do it on each other. And that was kind of how we taught ourselves some of that stuff. So it was pretty cool. It's actually an interesting thing to think about. Like, that's actually what we all still do. Like, you buy a demonstration DVD, an instructional. You're doing exactly that. You just probably have a better clue now because you've had some coaching and some official training and whatnot. But right. to, you're on the right track even as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, let's look what he did. Let's try to pause it, try to replicate it. That's fundamentally what we're all doing anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> was it the jiu-jitsu stuff that, that interested you yeah. the most early on? Yeah, I was pretty small. I was uh, real small and skinny until I got to be about 19. I had my second growth spurt when I was 19, but I um, I joined the Army when I was 17. My parents signed for me so I could go to boot camp when I was 17. And while I was there, I met a couple other guys that also liked jiu-jitsu and whatnot from around the country. And so in our little bit of spare time we had, we would either have like matches against each other, submission matches, or practice jujitsu or you know i mean that kind of thing at least at some point in the military is a part of it now right right that kind of combatives Mm hand-to-hand stuff it wasn't then no or not at least maybe the level you were at or whatever no when i when i was in boot camp in 96 it was still the vietnam era hand-to-hand like through the throat chop and the groin kick and you know the good stuff. Yeah, it yeah. was more to... Punch them in the throat yeah, and kick them in the balls. Give you a little bit of confidence that you might be able to fight hand-to-hand, you know? <laughs> yeah, less about teaching you to actually fight and more just making sure you're willing to fight. Correct. Like, you you at least have some sort of an option if it gets to that point. <clears throat> so, yeah. And then, uh, um, yeah, I was in the Army. I was in the reserves for a few years, and then I transferred to the National Guard. Um, but getting to how I started fighting, I, it was always something that I liked to do. And my dad also, he when my brother and I were maybe 10 or 11, somewhere in there, he bought us a pair of boxing gloves. So we were that house where the kids would all come over and we'd have little boxing matches. and little fight club in the basement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it, we ended up, we moved a couple times and... Then it would be, we actually had an alley where we would have our little matches. Very nice. Yeah, or in a field, like a grass field. or Yeah, it was pretty fun. So uh, I never really trained anywhere until 2002 or 2003. I went to the academy. They had a deal um, I think it was three months for 1995. Holy back shit. Then. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went up there with my brother. My brother, we both, we I think we both did the 1995. My brother went one time. It was a Muay Thai class. And it was, it was like a traditional Muay Thai class, like a lot of kicks and knees and jumping rope and my brother never went back after that. Why? Just, he was like, no, I'm too, not. Too much? Yeah. The fitness end of it, even as much yeah. as anything? Yeah. Yep. And at that time, uh, we were both doing concrete work, 
you know, we were doing concrete work since we were teenagers and that's like my family's trade. Um, so, you know, he was like, no, I'm not going to work all day and then come up and do this. You know, he's not wrong. <laughs> right. It's a hell of a load. Yeah. yeah. I think he was, he had to be just maybe 21 or something. Maybe I was 22 somewhere in there. But, uh, so I ended up going back a few times, but, uh, the, from getting off of work and everything and driving up there, like it was during rush hour traffic, I couldn't make it to class on time. There was a couple of times where I got there way late. And so I think I went maybe five or six times and kind of got a, the gist of what the training would be like. And then, um, so I stopped going there and then, uh, didn't do anything for a few months. And then I, um, ran into somebody that went to the Kali group, Rick Faye's school there in Minneapolis. And so I went there for a few months and that I really liked it. It was pretty cool. A lot of the different <clears throat> weapons and all the different martial arts that they teach her. But then, you know, I was kind of at that time I wanted to be either, I didn't really want to learn like all the other martial arts, I wanted to kind of compete or, you know, that was my goal or learn to learn to compete. And I was just kind of teetering on wanting to, like I wanted to fight, wanted to get in the cage. And I could have a few times back then you could just walk up about 20 minutes before the show and jump in the cage and fight, you know, sober or not, <laughs> you know, right. jean shorts, whatever, just sure. hop in there. It was right. the wild, wild west back then. It was pretty fun. Pros and cons for sure. Yeah. And so, um, I, I went to the college group for a while and then me and my brother were having a, I think it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve where the, all the family got together. I had my own house at this time and I had hardwood floors and we started having like a grappling match <clears throat> on the hardwood floors and I slipped and somehow he landed on me and I kind of like neck cranked myself with all his weight on me mm -hmm. and I hurt my neck and that was a few months and like I said I was doing concrete work at the time so it took a long time to heal because I had to go to work every morning mm -hmm. so I was like okay maybe I'm not going to be training for a while so then I put it on the back burner again for a couple years <clears throat> And then I was driving to work one morning. This was 2005. I was driving to work, and it was either KQRS or 93X or one of those stations. They had a commercial, and the commercial opened up. You know, this is probably 5.30 in the morning. On my way to the job site, and I hear, do you think you're tough? And I was like, huh, you know, kind of perked my interest <laughs> a little. They're speaking my language right yeah. off the bat. Yeah. They're like, uh, Art Doors Tough Man Contest will be in your city, you know, on this date. If you think you're tough, call 1-800-2-TOUGH or whatever the mm -hmm. phone number was <laughs> back then. And so uh, I heard it a couple times and then what, you know, third or fourth time I heard it, I was like, I'm calling this number, you know. So I called the number and I can't remember her name, but she used to, she used to line up all the fighters for the original tough man back then. And it was on pay-per-view, like in from Las Vegas would be like the championship 
I don't know if you remember that, but like Butterbean and stuff mm. started back then. It yeah, was, yeah. It was pretty fun. But uh, so I called her and she said that they were going to be in Rochester in a couple months. And so to sign up, they would mail you the entry. You'd have to fill out a paper entry form, send them a check or money order for $50 to hold your spot, and then you would be in the tournament. And so that's what I did. That was uh, December 2005. And I had one buddy that uh, actually boxed as a teenager and stuff. And um, he boxed a few years as a teenager. But like when he got, I think about the time he got his driver's license, he was done with that, you know? Yeah, as it goes. Yeah. He's like, oh, I could drive around and hang out with girls or I can go to the boxing gym and, you know, to each their own. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so he knew just enough to like, you know, kind of train me, help me train for it. He would hold mitts for me and I'd, you know, get a workout in and then we'd do like a little bag, heavy bag circuit. And then we'd spar like once a week or something. And that's how I trained for that first tough man fight. And that was December of 2005. It was two or three weeks after my son was born. So while my wife was pregnant, I was training for this fight. <laughs> training with a buddy of yours who boxed a little when he was a kid to go do a, a like a backyard tough man. Yeah. That's... It was... Uh, those was the days. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It, so the tough man contest, it was one-minute rounds. Three one-minute rounds. It was pretty much just get in there and swing for the fences, you right. know? And uh, I suppose, I mean, if you are just taking all comers, which those things were mm -hmm. for the most part, you can't have much longer than a minute or two around. They're all going to guess, ask themselves out right off the bat. Absolutely. I would. Yeah. (laughs) Freak out, start swinging. Yep. (laughs) It was at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester. There was quite a few people there. I don't know, maybe a couple thousand or something. It was, uh, they had two weight classes. They had heavyweight and lightweight. So it was like over 180 and under 180. Mm. I was around 160 pounds or something like that. And uh, I got matched up. You were not supposed to have any amateur actual, like, you weren't supposed to have a book for boxing, you know? Right, right. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of the people that were back there did. I think it just kind of, they didn't really have any way of, checking or i think back then it was kind of honor system right but uh, i ended up fighting a guy from lacrosse and he was from a, a boxing gym in lacrosse and you know he had all his coaches there and you know they're wrapping his hands and you know had the the whole to do and but the, but no boxing record yeah right? he, didn't, he didn't have any previous fights mm-hmm. there <laughs> was a whole team of coaches yeah and there i was with my buddy putting cloth wraps on you know just didn't know what the hell i was getting Mm -hmm. myself into but um yeah i ended up we ended up fighting and i i uh i got a unanimous decision i just kind of swarmed them and pretty similar how like my fighting style has been the last almost 20 years it's i like to get in there and get after it you know (laughs) The one I, the one minute round served you well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just gun it and see what happens. Yeah, so that was my first 
you know, time actually fighting like in a, I don't want to say, I don't think it was sanctioned. I don't know if we had a boxing commission back then or not. I can't remember, but eventually we did get a boxing commission and then they kicked all those guys out of town. Yeah. So hmm. probably, probably was not sanctioned yeah. and on the up and up. But yeah. First time in the ring in an organized setting. Yeah. Right? In front of a crowd, yep. paying crowd. And yeah. so I had that one fight where I think there was eight or 16 people in my bracket you're supposed to fight once on Friday and then could be twice on Saturday. And then the winner got, I can't remember what it was, maybe a thousand bucks or something. And uh, so immediately I got out of the ring after my fight and I went backstage and they had like one of those big barrel garbage cans. And I leaned over that thing and just started puking everything, you know? Yeah. I think uh, I had tuna salad before I <laughs> went out there and I puked that all up and oh, I was puking man. like red Gatorade up. And um, the- Tuna salad is not great the first time. The second <laughs> time, really not good. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, the doctor came back there and he said that I was out, you know, because I could have had a concussion or something. Sure. Yeah, so <laughs> it wasn't just stupid dietary decisions before the event. Yeah, it was a potential concussion. It was pretty. Now that I know, yeah, I know it was the adrenaline dump. You of know, course. I'd never yeah. felt anything like that, and the the uh, anticipation of eight eight or ten weeks and of you know knowing that this moment I'm going to walk into there and fight. Yeah, it takes. You know, it took me a, a few times to. Now I just like now it's like going to get coffee at Caribou when I walk into the ring and fight. It's not a big right. deal to me anymore. Right. But yeah, that's an. I mean, just being watched doing anything seems like an intense thing. So then you know, yeah, you put all this prep and pressure, and it's actual violence. Like, yeah, your system's gonna do some stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. Have you drank red Gatorade since then? <laughs> not uh, not right before a fight. That's for <laughs> yeah, sure. Not, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And so, yeah, I didn't know I didn't know anything back yeah. then. I was just a right. a kid that that uh, wanted to try it. Yeah, you know, like to watch UFC. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so then he, they call it. You just head home. Like they sent me to the oh, okay. Mayo Clinic to get checked out. Sure. And then, you know, they checked me out and I had to stay there for like however many hours to make sure I was okay. Right. And the worst part about it is I think I only got hit two or three times. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I probably hit the guy 50 times. You know what I mean? I hit him a lot. Like, it was pretty one-sided. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of a bummer, but I get it. Yeah, and what are we going to do? And I didn't know. You know, I was like, well, I don't know. I don't think I have a concussion. And then my buddy that was with me, he's like, I don't think you ever got hit, you know? Yeah. And I did, but it wasn't a lot. Nothing that would have caused that. Yeah. Yeah. So how long till like your first official, let's say, sanctioned fight? Um, So that was December 2005. And then um, August... They called the tough man called me because now I they had my number and I was right. you know so now they would call everyone on the past ones to, for the next one mm-hmm. plus get new guys and mm-hmm. so they called me again and they said that they're going to be at the Caledonia Fair County Fair or something down in Caledonia which is what is that the southeast corner of the state I think so. <clears throat> yeah 
And I was like, oh, sure. So uh, they sent me the entry form for that. This was August of 2006. And uh, they sent me the entry form for that. I signed up and everything. And about two, a month or two before the fight, my dad called me. Um, We were working for different companies at the time. And uh, my dad was uh, like a concrete foreman for like, he would do high rises and huge warehouses and super well known around the Midwest for the work that he did and stuff. Mm -hmm. He was one of the concrete foremans on the Gopher Stadium. Sure. So yeah. big scale projects yeah, like yeah. that. Not necessarily just pouring a patio in the back. Right. Yeah. Very yep. cool. So uh, he called me and he's like, hey, I got this guy on my crew. He's he's had one MMA fight and he wants you to come down and train with him. They're training down in Savage. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, so I got that boxing match coming up. So yeah, I'll, I'll talk to him. So uh, I ended up going down there, and that was, back then it was called American School of Martial Arts in Savage. And I went down there and met Derek, who was working for my dad at the time. And then I met the owner, Eric, and I was like, oh, this is cool. There's actually a place kind of close by me that does this stuff. And so, yeah, after I walked in that first day, I think I was there five or six days a week for almost 10 years. (laughs) Immediate buy-in, huh? Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I trained there um, until I had my tournament down in Caledonia. I lost by split decision the first round to a pretty good boxer who was actual boxer, you know. And he was from that area. He ended up winning the tournament. Um, so I lost to him the first round and then... The the second round, they said, do you want to fight the other guy that lost first round for like third place or whatever? I was like, well, sure. You know, I drove a couple hours and whatever. Let's make it all worth it. Let's have another fight. Yeah. And then he was from boxing gym also. But uh, I ended up stopping him like right before the bell rang in the first round. But I hit him with some pretty big stuff. And after, after the fight, he's like, He's like, man, you're trying to knock me out. I still had to drive home. He's like, <laughs> that's, that's blue collar fight thought right there. I yeah. got to work in the morning. Yeah. Right yeah. Yep. So I ended up, I did, so I lost my first fight that time, but I won the second one. So that was cool. <clears throat> and then. Now, were you training from the first tough man thing up till August? Were you training at that point? Or no, was there like almost a year gap? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't start training again until she contacted me sure. to train for that or fight on that one. Right, so right. I, and then I think I was at the MMA gym for about a month before that. So I did, I was like, oh, okay, there is a different, a different, you know, level to training for this stuff. And that was kind of nice to see that, you know, cause I will, I was, I didn't know. I was like, I don't want to push myself too much. I don't want to do the wrong stuff. And right. But then when I actually got to a gym where people had fought and stuff, you know, you could be more confident in your training right? and, you know, step it up and have some different things to do. And 
So that was nice. And were you just boxing, even though it was an MMA gym, since it was a boxing thing you had coming up, or did you start grappling? I started grappling too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, from all those years of like practicing jiu-jitsu, I was kind of a natural when I started. Like I kind of was right there, you know, walking in the door. It was crazy. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm... I still am. I'm kind of a hack when it comes to jujitsu, but it works for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so after that August match, the coach down there, Eric, he's like, I think they got a fight. You know, they have an MMA show in November coming up. Once you start training for that, that'll be your first fight. I'm like, okay, cool. A couple of weeks later, he's like, oh, there's one in Wisconsin in October. I think we're going to do that one because you're ready to go. I was like, all right, sounds good. And then a couple of weeks later, he's like, there's one in two weeks at the end of September here down in Mankato. I think you can do that one. And uh, so that was the first time that I fought MMA, September 29th of 2006. Essentially on a few weeks notice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, but. Sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> And back then it was like, you never know what you're going to get. Sure. And then he asked me, he said, uh, do you want to fight amateur or pro? And I'm like, I don't know. What should I do? And he's like, well, if you fight pro, you get $200. I was like, I'll fight pro. (laughs) (laughs) Get $200, don't get $200. Yeah. Have have an option of getting $200 versus zero. Yeah. Yeah. I think it actually was $150 with a $50 win bonus. Okay. Was the deal. And uh, so, you know, I had an opponent that I was supposed to fight, and he had fought before um, back at the one of the Myth shows. And uh, so that was when there was the fights were going at the Myth, probably 2005, 6, 7. Yeah, it was, I think it was once a month back then. It was like the third Thursday of the month or something. Mm. It was pretty cool. And, uh, so I knew who it was, and then a few days before the fight, he pulled out, and so, um, you know, I, they're like, he's like, do you want to fight if they find somebody? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, and so he's told me, okay, we got somebody, let's, you know, go down there and weigh in, so we went down there to weigh in, and I, I think I was still around 160 pounds. And the first person that I was supposed to fight usually fought at 170 while welterweight. So you would kind of be anywhere in there, you know. <clears throat> and it was before a lot of people were cutting a lot of weight. They were, uh, yeah, I think it was before, you know, especially locally, there wasn't a lot of weight cutting. And so I weighed in and then my new opponent weighed in and he weighed in at 195. And we were supposed to be 170, and I was already underweight. Mm-hmm. So my coach at the time, he was like, no. He's like, it's his first fight. That's just, no, we're not doing that. Yep. That's good coaching. Yeah, right, right for sure. Coaching. Now that well, I'm, It's already sort of short notice fight. Let's, let's not stack the deck. Yep. So then we're at weigh-ins. So then he's like, okay, hang on. Uh, the promoter... Uh, I think it was Nick Gamst and Carrie Thule that were promoting the show. 
And uh, so I think it was Nick. He's like, hang on, hang on. I got a couple other guys that are kind of floating around here. So then he comes back and he's like, okay, we got this guy for you. He's waiting at whatever, somewhere in there, 160 or 170. And so Eric was like, yep, okay, sounds good. And then 20 minutes later, oh, no, he's not going to do it. Um, but I got this other guy that'll do it. And then he weighed in at 165. So we're like, yeah, fine with me. And he had a little more experience. He had been training with a couple teams. And, uh, but we did it. And, uh, yeah, got in the, got in the cage. And he, he was pretty tough, big and strong. And, but, you know, I kind of came at him like a Tasmanian devil. And I don't think he was totally prepared for that. And so I ended up winning my first fight. Yeah, it was the first round by rear naked. <laughs> nice. Gave him a big Matt Hughes slam, and mm -hmm. it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. So then I was hooked after that. I bet. <laughs> then I think I fought maybe, probably, I think I fought after... There, I had one run really early on where I fought like six times in eight weeks. MMA. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. But you could... If you're not taking a lot of damage, it's not quite as bad, but it's still a lot of prep, right. a lot of prep and stress. And yeah. I, you know, you could... I would drive up to six, eight hours away, you know, every weekend just would be like a carload of us. We'd go around and fight and it was pretty fun. <laughs> Has MMA been the focus then over the rest of the years? Did, did you did you stick with MMA or did you like shift back to boxing or dabble in Muay Thai? What's what's been the main focus? Mainly, it was MMA. Yeah, mm -hmm. from two thousand six to two thousand twelve, I think I had I was fourteen seven and one in MMA. So 22 fights. <clears throat> and then uh, I had a few Muay Thai fights and a few boxing matches. But it was the main focus was MMA. I would just do Muay Thai or boxing to kind of fill in if there wasn't anything available. Sure. Or, yeah. or we would have like these shows that were kind of like exhibitions more. Um, and like if someone brought fighters to our show then we would go down and fight on their show or you know in a different state or something sure, sure not not quite like a smoker but but a more casual sort of invite some other gyms to come down and and do the in-house thing yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep you know still sold tickets and everything but mm -hmm. it was it was a little more casual or yeah like you like you say so i did do some of that um, and then I was about 2012, I was getting pretty burnt out, you know, just with everything. And I was, um, get, getting more and more like I was getting more responsibilities at my work and stuff. Now, I, then at that time I was starting to take over big projects and it was pretty demanding and my kids were all teenagers and I kind of, I knew I needed to be home and, you know, mm -hmm. keep them on the straight and narrow as much yeah. as I could. Make it to the games and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And then I, 
my wife and I were very active in the high school booster club. We were, I was the event coordinator for maybe 10 years, tournament coordinator, and then we were vice presidents for three years and then booster club presidents for two years. No, three years. Vice presidents for two years, booster club presidents for three years. See, I didn't even realize those things were that formal, that there was like presidents and vice presidents. And so I just figured they were shoving lasagna or uh, uh, noodles, you know, pasta down my throat before <laughs> games and stuff. Yeah, it's a whole, it's like a whole business in itself yeah. to fundraise for all that stuff and the logistics of... A lot of time, I would assume, yeah, to, to your point. Like, you're doing a lot of stuff with mm-hmm. those. So, so you slowed down kind of then? Yeah, yeah. yep. Yeah, and uh, so after 2012, it, and I had a accident at work where I got hit in the head pretty bad, and uh, it was just kind of all at once, and I was kind of like, well, it is what it is, and it just, it wasn't that I ever was like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. It just kind of faded in the right. background. Sort of naturally comes to fruition that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was... Uh, 2012 I think I had my last fight and then uh 2020 so yeah it was about I think about 20 so then I was helping match make the shows in Savage and I did that till about 2016 and uh that was a lot too you know with everything else that I was doing in my life with my kids and work and um so i kind of passed that off and then about 2017 i i um tore my achilles really bad um and i like developed bone spurs in my ankles and so i how'd uh, you do that just wear and tear yeah kind of yeah i've known a lot of people that have scored achilles tears and it's like I was shooting hoops casually with the kids in the driveway or like we were just at work walking around and it just seems to be a thing like you you think there'd be an awesome story you know like an NFL player but it's just humdrum nonsense yeah and Some, it, something about that Achilles it wasn't like for me it wasn't one thing that I can pinpoint that oh that's when I tore it sure yeah. I think it just kind of creeped up and then one day I was like oh that kind of hurts and then it hurt more and more and more and you know you slept wrong and tore your Achilles. Yeah, yeah, right. And so my right one was tore 50% and my left one was tore 30%. And then I had bone spurs. Both, both yeah. of them? <laughs> and I was, I was over, I was a little over 200 pounds at the time, probably around 220, which is a lot for my frame. Like mm-hmm. I feel pretty good around 190 or somewhere in there. And, uh, so having my feet messed up, I got up to almost 260. I was like 258 pounds. And, uh, I kept putting off. I knew I had to have surgery on my feet. I went in and talked to, you know, at TCO or whatever and talked to the doctor. He was the Vikings ankle and foot doctor. And he's like, the only way you're going to fix it is, you know, going to take four months off of work and this and that. And, and at the time, like I, I could afford it, but I didn't want to because I was had so much momentum in my field. You know, I was kind of at that time my 
my dad was started this seven-story hospital and it was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and he didn't like driving that far. So he kind of like told our boss, you know, he's like, I'm not coming out here anymore. Have the kid take it over. He can do it. He'll be fine, you know. And uh, it was probably one of the biggest, most challenging things I'd done to that date. You know, I'd done like some smaller stuff, like little warehouses and, um, town, you know, like apartment buildings and stuff are pretty straightforward. But a hospital, there's a lot to it with all the equipment and everything else that got to go in there. And, but, uh, yeah, so I took that over and that was like when I was at the worst of my pain and then I gained the most weight and, uh, but I didn't want to take time off because I got this awesome project that I'm working on, you know? Yeah. Four months off is, it has a lot of cost to it in terms of money. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can afford to take the four months off, but it's the other costs, Mm -hmm. you know? The the trajectory of my career, what opportunities am I missing out on, et cetera. Right. And the setback of recovery and... and then Another 20, 30 pounds gain because you're sitting in a recliner for yeah, half a year. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I did end up having surgery. Well, actually, so my dad passed away in 2018 and, uh, you know, it was... It was a weird, you know, he was a pretty tough blue collar guy that never went to the doctor sort of thing, you know. I know a few of those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just, one day he was like, gosh, I just been so tired, you know. And he's like, I think he had just turned 60 or somewhere in there. He's like, oh, this work is just really hard for me. And, and, uh, I just feel, I feel tired all the time and, uh, Finally, my stepmom uh, talked him into going to the doctor, and then the doctor was like, what took you so long to get in here? He, he pretty much have, I don't know if it was like stage four cancer, pretty much told him he only had a, a couple months left. I think he told him, like, you have a 3% chance to live a year, so it was like, oh, that's pretty bad. Well, what was the What was the variety of cancer? He had it all over. Liver, his stomach, is really everything. All and he's over. still working, trudging through the day. Yeah, and a lot of people were like, you know, telling me, like, your dad looks really tired and sick, and you know, we're concerned. And but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. He's he's he he was gonna do what he was gonna do. Yeah. Again, I know those guys. Yeah, <laughs> and so he passed in 2018, and then 2019, I was gonna get my have my surgery on my feet, you know, cause I was like, well, I'm not going to be like, I don't want to be like that, put stuff off. And sure. like I was in excruciating pain, I would come home after work and just kind of collapse on the couch and that's where I would stay, you know? And, you know, I started drinking a lot too, to kind of fall asleep and it was pretty bad. So generally the guys that tough it out, the tough guys that tough it out, they're also doing that. Yeah. You, know, you can only be so tough. Right. Right. So you end up sort of self-medicating and stuff. Yep, exactly. And then uh, I knew my health was pretty bad too. And so I scheduled the surgery and it was supposed to be March of 2020. And <laughs> how'd yeah. that go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it got canceled. And then 
they just called me out of the blue. It was probably, I can't remember. I ended up having my first surgery in November of 2020. And then my second one in January of 21. And uh, so they called me just like, you know, I think it was like six or eight weeks before November, whatever month that would be. And they're like, oh, hey, we're doing surgeries again. Do you want to come in on this date? And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I do. didn't even think about it because I wasn't going to pass it up. I was in pretty excruciating pain. And uh, so I got both my feet fixed and <clears throat> it was the winter. I, I'll never do that again. Be laid up looking out the window at snow, you know, every day. <laughs> That was a little rough on me. So, yeah, I was looking out the window and I was like, if, if these things are fixed, I'm not going to waste it. And so <clears throat> I went back to work a few months later and kind of I did rehab and physical therapy and all that stuff. And and then I think it was November or December, you know, I was like, gosh, I I should get back into training, you know. And I just wanted to train to lose the rest of the weight that I put on and whatnot. And and I know, you know, like Muay Thai is a great, you know, conditioning workout. And I didn't want anybody touching my feet. So jujitsu was out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like that's the first thing everybody's going to grab is my Achilles and my right. ankle. And yep. yeah, so I was not going to do that. And uh, so I always... Um, like the people over at Striking Institute, you know, I've known them all for years and years because they've all, you know, been competing for over a decade too, most of them. And, and I always watched them and how they interacted with each other and at the shows and how they were. And I was like, if I ever go back to training, I would like to train with them. And then I had a friend that started training at the Striking Institute and that formerly trained in Savage. And uh, she told me a couple of times, she said, you should, you know, because I'd ask her about it. Oh, what is it like? And this and that. And she's like, you just, just come in. You'll love it. Mm -hmm. And I think I went in like December of 21. And uh, I, I haven't taken more than like a week off since. So, yeah, I'm usually there four or five days a week. It's funny. Once you get yourself, you recrack the seal. You know, you're just in. Yeah. I've experienced that numerous times after layoffs for certain reasons. You're just six days a week all of a sudden one more time. Yeah. Yep. And I was, like I said, I was just going to go there to lose 20, 30 pounds. And then I started like getting better and like learning the sport of Muay Thai. And then it, the more I figured out, the more I wanted to figure out, mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll I'll have a fight. So I talked to the coaches there, and they're like, yeah, of course. You know, you've had plenty of fights, and you know what you're doing as far as that's concerned. If you want to fight, then, yeah, we'll help you. And so I signed up for the TBAs. I thought this will be kind of a way for me to go fight out of town. I'm only going to tell a couple people. I'm just going to do this for me, you know. This is the thing in Des Moines? Uh, correct. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and like I, the biggest Muay Thai tournament like in the world yeah or at least in the country something like that yeah, something small yeah. and out of town that nobody's gonna know about yeah well I mean at least like my you know because yeah. when I fought locally I'd always have a pretty big 
crowd that comes and mm -hmm. which is awesome yeah i've had a lot of people come and support me for the last 18 years which is pretty um flattering to say yeah. the least and it's a great energy day of the show when there's a you can tell there's an entourage of people off to one side of the ring or walking out with them you know that really uh fires it up yeah sure. so i kind of wanted to you know i thought i'd be a little more obscure for myself because they have a thousand fights that week down there so mm -hmm. nobody's really going to pay attention mm -hmm. to my fight you know mm -hmm. and i went down there at a good three round fight um, I was a little more tentative than I w thought I would be, but I cracked him with some pretty good stuff that like, let me know, gosh, I still kind of got, you know, I still know how to fight. I'm a little slower than I used to sure, be and sure. I got a lot more gray hair, mm -hmm. but other than that, I still, I still know how to fight. A punch landed is a punch landed. Yeah. <laughs> so then that really inspired me to really pick it up a notch and train and then they had the it was last december they had the muay thai card at the hyatt and i was like yeah i think i want to do that so then i got a fight on there and that went well for me and um yeah and that was then, the ignite event right? correct that's where I, I first saw you okay so that was like the your comeback fight is how, correct. I, how I perceived it and it turns out you, you you flirted down in in <laughs> in Des Moines but that I remember it being kind of the the return to the hometown fighting scene and all the energy that went with it it was pretty cool yeah yeah it was fun and so yeah I had that fight and then um I got an offer from LFA to fight at Mystic Lake. That was a few months after that. And I was like, all right, I'll try MMA one more time. And so I I uh, got back into some rolling and stuff and got back into decent, decent shape for that. And then had my MMA fight. That went pretty well for me, too. And then... Uh, I think that was about the last... No, I I rolled a couple weeks after that. And uh, that's... I was rolling with Santos. And we had a, a freak accident. Like, I I was in the middle of taking him down. And he hit the ground. And somehow my nose, like, smashed right into his knee. And I uh, dislocated my nose. It was pretty nasty. Somehow. Yeah. Air quotes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> so that had to get put i had to go to the doctor and get it, my nose put back in so i think i had just it was maybe two days after i signed a contract to fight for ignite in july i broke my nose and i was like well i guess i'm not sparring for this fight <laughs> you're still gonna do the fight yeah yeah but you're just not gonna get ready right yeah <laughs> I could still hit pads. Yeah, sure, sure. Hit the bag, <laughs> run. Yeah. So it didn't go too bad either. It was a lot closer than I wanted it to be, but... I'm noticing a trend here as you're describing these. When you say it went pretty well or didn't go too bad, that means you delivered an ass beating. <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just interpreting your language here. These are, these are called wins. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then you fought again at the at this last ignite too. So you're Correct. you're like four or five fights back now. Since, yeah, since like 2021. Correct. 
Yeah. Yep. So that, yeah. And then I fought at Ignite a couple of weeks ago and that went well. And yeah, I think I'm improving a lot each time I can see the, I can see that I'm improving the sport of Muay Thai. So it's, it's exciting for me to keep trying to improve. It seems like you kind of have had two entirely different experiences. So you had X number of years break and kind of slowly climb back into it. But like one, one was like a young man's energy and just a willingness to throw down. And this one is sort of an older man's wisdom. Like, let me actually study this and, and prepare more carefully. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it a lot more. Like the stress and the pressure and, you know, trying to make it to this big show and that's all behind me. So it's like, I'm just going out there having fun and, and, uh, get to fight the guy in front of you yeah. rather than this list of people I'm supposed to go beat eventually right. to, be, to be great or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And my, you know, my friends and family and stuff, I'll get to come out and have fun and they all enjoy it. And I would assume, uh, it's a much better watching experience too. So you're not like in a high school gymnasium or something. I mean, this is an actual show. Yeah. You know, lighting and announcers and music and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is your crowd bigger now that you bring with you? What do you think? Um, I would say it's probably the same size, but they're all... Uh, um, you know, in their forties, they have a lot better means, so they get a lot nicer seats. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Instead of the king of the general admissions, now I'm the yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everyone's sitting front row and tables, and mm-hmm. you know, that's all my friends and family are all around my age in their forties, and you know, right, right. they might be struggling to make it to your fight, but when your fight comes up, they're front and center. Yeah, fighting at ten o'clock at night, fifty years old. Yeah, how how old are you? 44. Okay, 44. Yep, I'll be 45 in April. Is there, I don't even know, are there age-related brackets? You like weight classes and age brackets too? Some things there is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean like jiu-jitsu, you know, you have a master's, whatever, whatever, whatever. But in fighting. Muay Thai, like some of the tournaments will have those sort of brackets. and um, But like MMA and stuff, it's more matchup based. Yeah, as long as you have a sensible matchmaker, you're... Not going to be lined up across a 23-year-old right. former college whatever. Yeah. Good. You're right. I know. Nobody would want to see me do that to a poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The wisdom. It's the wisdom. So how many more fights are there? I don't know. Just taking it, huh? Yeah. I just take it one at a time and have fun. I'll just do it till it's either not fun or not, you know, whatever. Yeah. Let me back <clears> up. Did you... Did you have real reservations about doing the MMA fight, given the concerns about the ankles with ankle locks and stuff? Like, we kind of joked, like, okay, maybe not jujitsu because I had these double repairs or whatever. Yeah. But then you go do it. Was that an actual concern? Like, am I going to end up re-injuring this or something? Not really. No, because I, you know, I was rolling and wrestling and stuff, and I was like, oh, I guess they do still work. And, uh... One of the guys that I roll with a lot was rolling while well, I went up in a couple days a week with Melvin and Marvin and they're, you know, super good at all the leg stuff. And, and, uh, so I felt pretty good about it. 
and then yeah it was and then i did a, a couple days a week with santos and ben newman and um and then ashcon michael gorman um down at billy's house at the basement so i had plenty of uh good training partners and got my everything tested out real well and yeah i felt pretty confident that that i still had the still had the mma in me so you gonna do more mma i'm not sure i'm not too sure maybe if the right situation comes up but for right now i really like muay thai and um i think it's I think it's a little easier on me to train Muay Thai because, you know, jujitsu and wrestling, it's like, it's just always something. Yeah. Your leg or your arm or your neck or your back or you get cut or crack Two, two tangled bodies falling to the ground. Yeah. That's a dynamic thing. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of things can go wrong. I kind of think of it like, like triathlons, like the number of hours you need to put into running to really effectively run a half marathon or a marathon is gigantic so then to say okay i gotta put the same number of hours into swimming and the same number of hours on a bike it's like how do people do this how do you, sure. how do you train for that where hmm. and, and mma is kind of that same thing okay i gotta i gotta wrestle i gotta get on the ground and grapple i gotta strike okay well that's boxing i also need kicks it just turns into just so many things and it's like okay i got a job and a family and all these other things at a certain point, the wisdom of age, probably, you just start to go, you know what? I'm going to do this part. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's a good way to sum it up. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can do so much. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there, I, I've talked about this with somebody before, is there like rankings in Muay Thai? You get the armbands and all this stuff. Do you bother um, with any of that? Some... Some gyms in some places do have yeah. that. Um, they we don't have it at our gym, but some some do, and I'm not sh- too familiar with the different levels and stuff like that. Are you ranked in jujitsu? Um, I got my purple belt. Yeah, yeah, I got my purple belt from Hoist in 2010. <laughs> from Hoist. Yep. Yeah, so need to hear the story. Down at down at ATT and Savage, mm-hmm. it was first affiliated under Hoyce and Rodrigo Gracie, and Rodrigo would come a couple times a year, and then Hoyce would come like once a year, and uh, then I think Rodrigo started his own. Instead of being under Hoist's network, he started his own network. Mm -hmm. And so American top team down there, American School of Martial Arts, stuck with Rodrigo. I think, you know, it was more of he would come more often and stuff like that. So most of their rank is from Rodrigo after about 2012 or something. And then um, now underground jiu-jitsu in Shakopee owned by John King who used to be at American School of Martial Arts I think he was a white belt when I got my purple belt and now he's a black belt under (laughs) Hoist but that just goes to show you you know what time and you know when I got my purple belt Hoist told me he said no more rank for you until you do self-defense 
because I wasn't doing much of the self-defense curriculum. Well, I was fighting MMA, so that was kind of what I wanted to do, you know. Fighting MMA and winning fights with just sheer aggression and violence. Yeah, and right. How's that for self-defense, Hoist? Yeah, but <laughs> no, I totally get it. And right. I, I right. mean, I I would like to get my black belt from Hoist. Hmm. So, you know, if that's any inkling of where I'll be ending up when I am done fighting and sure. doing jujitsu, you know, sure, sure. wherever that is. Um, cause yeah, you know, I've like, since I was 13 years old, I've been watching hoist and yep. it's just, that would be a, that would be a good, a great accomplishment yeah. for me personally. Sort of closes the whole circle. Yeah. Yep. And I just, you know, I've probably only wore a gi five times since 2010. So I got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. So plus you got to work on that self-defense. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> But that is a goal, huh? You, you do want to kind of, quote unquote, finish the, the circle of jiu-jitsu, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever the whenever the fights aren't fun anymore, you put your pajamas back on and... Yep. Roll around. Lay around a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it depends on the game, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, what What do you think uh, ends the fights, ends the Muay Thai for you? What, do you th- what would you guess... Just getting too old for this nonsense or yeah or if they can't find me like matchups anymore you know or if people stop coming to watch me you know that'll definitely end it yeah we're sick of you doing this huh? yeah Fair you know yeah. yeah i've had some of my friends like i didn't know i needed season tickets you know mm-hmm. i thought you were going to fight once you know and mm-hmm. not, then it's another one another one another right. one yeah well, they don't know how this works. That's exactly how that goes. Yeah. There's no such thing as doing one. Uh, I mean, we still, you think you'll still from a, because you, part of your return to Muay Thai and stuff was just fitness motivated. Like, I gotta lose a couple of pounds. Is that still gonna be your outlet, you think? Or does it morph back into like a jujitsu slash just hitting the gym like a regular guy? I don't really know. It's like, I mean, I've made so many friends over at Striking Institute. Like, they're like my family, you know, like, they they go out of their way to do way more for me than most places would you know like they're always there for me and i i've had coaches like listen if you need help at one in the morning call me you know if you need help at 5 a.m with anything call me you know i mean yeah i don't i think that i mean that's a pretty i don't know if it's rare or not but it's pretty flattering to me that people are willing to do that you know for a sport that you're not nobody really makes money on that stuff really i mean not even the promoter you know what i mean right right. there ain't a whole lot of money in it this ain't the nfl for sure right and so i guess yeah i'm not sure i'll be i'll be you know at least doing muay thai a couple days a week for a long time Mm -hmm. even if i did go back into jujitsu Right. I'm sure. <clears throat> well, and that speaks to like the what the real value of getting involved in stuff like this is, is you get tapped into a community and you end up with a network of good people that you can provide something for, but then they can also provide things for you when you need it. That's the main point, you know. That's like it's good to know how to fight and it's good to know self-defense and all this stuff, but if you can have a gym attending experience that goes beyond putting your headphones on and walking on an inclined treadmill and not talking to anybody. Sure. That's the real value, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not tapped into a network of good people. 
Uh, give me advice. Not me, hmm. particularly, but somebody that's thinking of, of getting involved in doing fights, be it Muay Thai or MMA. And uh, you can couch it however you want. <clears throat> Maybe there's a another master's division person thinking about it. Maybe <laughs> they could use some thoughts. I don't know. I guess <clears throat> I would just, yeah, I mean, you're if it's something you are, you know, sticking, you're trying to put your toe in the water and feel it out, you know, it's it's one of those things where you don't really dabble in fighting. So if you're going to do it, just jump in and do it and, uh, you know, train hard and find somewhere where they push you and, and, uh, where they take it serious and have fun. That's the biggest thing I, I could tell anybody. It's, it's supposed to be fun. You know, if you're doing this for the money or any other reason, it's the wrong reason, you know, have fun. The whole journey is supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be fun. We're not no one's going to be around forever. If you're thinking about it, do it, live life. You know, you you won't regret it. I mean, I don't I don't think I've ever heard anybody that regrets, you know, fighting or doing anything like that even if they just do it one time at least to know what it's like, you know. Get the feeling of everything, you know, warming up and the butterflies and walking out and hearing the crowd and then getting in the cage and how the sometimes you walk up the steps and it's cold on your feet and then you get inside the ring and you look across the ring and and uh you know you either realize that that person over there is really confident or they're really not or you're not sure and you know, my thing is, I don't know if I can beat them or not, but I can't wait to find out. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Other closing thoughts? <clears throat> no, not really. I just, yeah, cool. thanks for having me. Right. Thanks just, for swinging over. Yeah. It's a cool story for sure. Thanks. I have a lot of these black belt dorks on here. <laughs> it's nice to talk to normal people. <laughs> Real people. <laughs> Someday I'll be a black belt dork. We'll have you back on then. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Pohada Podcast. And hey, if you're a regular listener, head on over to the Pohada Podcast on Instagram, where amongst the ridiculous memes, you'll find a link to the merch shop and be able to keep up with the disorganized going-ons of the show. And hey, before you go, here's a little preview of an upcoming episode. I, I, I didn't care about schooling. Like, I didn't because I was told my whole life, like, oh, kid, you have something. You know, I was, as a fat kid, I was legitimately athletic. Like, at 460 pounds, I ran a 5'4", 40. Yeah. And, I mean, like, my I would get into it with my teammates because I wouldn't show up to practice, right? But Not I, a game. But I, oh, You're talking about practice. Exactly. And that's I gave my coach that speech. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, hold up, because he's yelling at me. He's like, kid what the fuck is your problem? He's like, you have so much talent. I'm like, how many TFLs do I get a game? How many sacks do I have? Fumble recovery. Like, come on, bro. What are we talking about? Like, what the fuck? I'm beating your number one guys. And they, they all resented me because of it. I mean, I was 15 years old walking around Edina High School with tattoos and shit.